Welcome to Booz Allen Hamilton's Unstoppable Together podcast, a series of stories that unite us and empower each of us to change the world. I'm Jenny Brooks with Booz Allen Hamilton, and I'm passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Please join me in conversation with a diverse group of thought leaders to explore what makes them and all of us unstoppable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstoppable Together podcast. I'm Jenny Brooks, and I'm so excited to be joined today by partner CJ Bay as part of the Navy Marine Corps account. CJ, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jenny. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to our talk today. Likewise. Let's dive right into it, CJ. You recently participated in a Q&A session with the Multicultural BRG, and you were asked what the business case is for diversity and inclusion. And your answer struck me as being so poignant around what it means to be seen, particularly as we embrace this new virtual workplace that we're operating in. Can you share with our listeners Absolutely. I always start with inclusion because I really do think that that's very personal. And when you think about that, we all know a time when we did not feel including. We may have been left out unintentionally or intentionally, but either way, we all had that feeling when we didn't belong. And then when we consider this scenario in the workplace, those feelings, right, whether they're resentment or sadness or whatever it is, means that someone doesn't feel safe. They don't feel like their thoughts have value. And when you think about that, every service or solution that we sell, that the firm sells, starts with an idea. And if we're not creating the kinds of environments where everyone feels as though they can freely and safely share their ideas, then we lose out. We lose out every time. So what we want to do is we want to be able to make sure that we create that environment where people feel included. And that's why I like starting with inclusion. We all have a basis for for dealing with that. But then also when we look at how the world becomes more and more interconnected and the problems that we solve for our clients take on a, a bigger global lens, our clients really expect us to manage and be aware of cultural diversity. It's no escaping it. And they really do require a culturally diverse, multifaceted teams to come up with those solutions. And no one ever said that diversity and inclusion was easy, but it's definitely worth it, particularly today. We really need that diversity and that inclusion to help solve these problems. Talk with us a little bit about that more, the idea that diversity and inclusion is not always the easy thing to do. So we all have groups, right, that we naturally gravitate toward. We've got those sort of traits where, where it's like age, race, gender, Or it could be, where did you go to school or what kind of things that we like to do, some functional expertise. So it's really easy to sort of go to those groups. So we have to actively challenge ourselves to get into groups that maybe we wouldn't consider going or maybe we're not as comfortable with ourselves. I think that's important. So when you think about it, ideally, you have this diverse group of people and we've got a whole bunch of different ideas and backgrounds and experiences And then what we're trying to do as leaders is we're trying to bring them all together and make them feel a part of building one solution, right, that the group helped create. But what happens in that, though, sounds a lot like conflict, right? So and people really don't like conflict, but (laughs) conflict, (laughs) right? Oh, stay away. I don't like conflict. I want to stay away. But conflict really isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? It gets bad if you don't manage it 
properly. But conflict is an innate way in which we get to the richest, best solutions. So if everyone in the group goes along with one idea and no one challenges it and says, well, what about this? Or have you thought about that? Then no one is really questioning that logic. And we're all just going along and we're not really mitigating certain risks that could come about. And so this is a sort of scenario where we reference diversity of thought. But I often hear that phrase used, and I find myself wanting to emphasize that some of the most meaningful types of diversities are in our inherent diversity traits, right? Those that we're born with. And let's just make sure that, that we go beyond just what we see. Yes, CJ, you're echoing a lot of the perspectives that we've heard throughout the podcast Yes, it's easy to gravitate towards sort of the natural similarities between us, but what our speakers are offering our audiences, are you mentoring someone who's fundamentally different than you? Uh, Mm -hmm. When you're interviewing candidates for positions, are you ensuring a diverse slate of candidates to consider? And are you bringing a diverse panel to interview those candidates? Are you building diverse teams? And I would say even even in addition to that, are we mentoring and advocating, right, in various different groups? And where are we going for our ideas? Do we always go to the same place or do we take our ideas to some of the BRGs and say, hey, what ideas do you guys have? Absolutely. And I love what you said about conflict sort of gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. How can we reframe conflict or work through it? in an effort to bring the best ideas to the solution. I want to speak to your first point about reframing conflict. And I think we have to see it less as a conflict and more as a practice of consensus building. Mm -hmm. And I say practice because it's something that you have to keep trying before you're really good at it. And consensus building, like, don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that everyone agrees. And there is this wonderful TED Talk on the gift of conflict by Amy Gallo. And I really would suggest everybody look at that. One of the things that she says, because a lot of times when people get nervous about conflict, people are, are internalizing it saying, oh, people won't like me, or I might come off looking a certain kind of way if I bring up a differing opinion. And she has a mantra in there that says, sometimes people are going to be mad at me and it's okay. And she talks about sometimes if you don't share your idea, A lot of times you carry around that guilt feeling like, oh, man, I really wish I had shared this. And that may have a longer term effect than just sharing it in the first place, even if people get mad at you. So those are some really good point things that I took from it. So as far as navigating this to practice and how to do it, I think if someone's offering a different viewpoint, can we stop and consider what may be motivating them? So what's what's motivating them to, to give this point? And again, not that you have to agree with them. But can you understand sort of where they're coming from? And and can we get to empathy, right? I think, can we empathize sort of with where they are and what they're looking to do and understand uh, what works for them? And then I think the second big point that I want to talk about is I'd like for people to consider a call-in culture instead of a call-out culture. So I'm going to talk about call-out culture first because I think everybody understands that. Be like, look. So-and-so said this to me, and I called them out on it. They're not just going to say this to someone. I'm going to call them out. And don't get me wrong. Some people need to get called out when they need to get called out. I'm not saying that. <laughs> one thing you know about me is, look, let's be real about this thing, right? But just getting to that point of empathy, 
is this call in culture, which I think could be more productive. And in my experience, what we want to do is talk to them one on one. So tell me a little bit more about why you think that way or why did you say this or that? And I think when we do that, that allows us to have a deeper conversation, have a deeper reflection and help someone potentially understand how what they said could be perceived or come off by others because the person may not know. So instead mm-hmm. of necessarily just calling them out because it's the thing to do, how about we call them in a little bit, empathize with them a little bit and, and then help them learn and then grow and share a little bit amongst each other. I love that. It's a complete reframing and it's another, I think, tangible idea for us to grasp when we talk about building empathy and enabling empathy with one another how do we continue to strengthen a a call-in culture when we're working remotely and we're connecting virtually these days? So, you know, in my opinion, I think it may be a little bit easier doing it working remotely. I think one of the things that I've experienced in all of our WebEx meetings where people are saying, you know, I'm putting faces with names. The fact that we are seeing ourselves in our natural habitat, I think it's easier for a person to say, hey, can you can we talk for a few minutes and let's sit there and really have a deeper conversation and learn more about each other? And so I think that it's easier and today to have that empathy and to empathize with one another because we're not in the building. We're not in the office. We're in our homes and we see our pets. We see pictures of our kids all of that. So you see more of the person inherently, I think, in this virtual environment than what we would normally do. Yeah, I can't agree more. Let me go back to the beginning of our conversation when you talked about being safe. Mm -hmm. Do you have a memory when you experienced not feeling safe in your career that you'd be willing to share with those listening? And how did you work through that? Um. I will tell, actually, I'm going to tell a true story. When, say my first job, I was right out of high school and it was before I had started college real time. And I had a job down in uh, a part of South Baltimore by the docks. And I had a locker and I, it was a chemical plant. I was pretty decent in chemistry. And what we did was we analyzed fertilizer and all that kind of stuff. And I was the first, I was told I was the first African-American person to work in that lab. I was like, okay, yep, yay for what that's worth, right? Big deal. Uh, But my second day of work, there was a note in my locker that said the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan are watching you. Oh, wow. So you talk about not feeling safe. You talk about, um, and at that point, I was, you know, I just had a car, but I was a little farther in the part of town, working in a part of town that I wasn't necessarily familiar with. And I was the only African-American that was working in the place. And how old were you? I was 18 years old. And uh, so, yeah. So I'm going to make the long story short. What I did was, and just this was just how I was raised from my family. I'm just going to do my work. Can't let fear stop you from doing what you need to do and what you have to do. And I liked working there. I like learning about the chemistry and how things work. So I wasn't leaving. So whoever had the problem was going to deal with it. And then come to find out the person that put it there, I was working with him every day. And he ended up taking it out. And he said, you know, Charles, I put this in as a joke. And this was probably after about uh, five weeks or so. He said, I put put that in there as a joke, but then I thought about it and I guess it wasn't that funny. 
And um, so he removed it and we just kept on going. We just kept on working and he did respect me for what I did and the things that I did there. Cause I was, it was three of us doing some of the main processing and I was one of the three at 18 years old, but I had a knack for chemistry. So that's how it worked. So we, we ended up having a good working relationship, but, uh, but early on, yeah, I didn't feel safe. I just kept going. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's a real story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing the story. CJ, at the end of every podcast episode, we invite our speakers to share some last words for our audience. What would you like to share with our audience today? I am an avid reader. So what I have today, so I have three books and I have three books for the spectrum of the reading challenge. So if you do not like reading a whole lot of stuff, but you want to get a good message, the uh, first book I'm going to recommend, and this takes about an hour to read, but certainly a quick read, and it's called Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. And this is a good book on how to deal with change in your work and in your life. So if you want to look at change and how to deal with change, this is a good book. It's about mice and cheese, and it has a great lesson and doesn't take long. So this is a great book to read. Um, and actually, I read this book just before I came, as I was making my decision on whether I was coming to the firm or not. This was one of the things wow. I put back up, and I read this because it's a great story. An oldie but a goodie, right? You put it right off the shelf, yeah. Right. So I loved it. So the other book, and this is for the intermediate reader. So if you want to spend a day, maybe two, reading a book, this book called Wake Up Happy by Michael Strahan. So yes, the Michael Strahan, that's the football player, Super Bowl champ, and it's about uh, transforming your life. And just to give you an idea of a couple of the chapters in here, it's pretty quick. Uh, one chapter is, what did you do to get better today? Another chapter is the power of routines. And you know, we're all in a different routine now, so that may, some might find that helpful. And then third is change before you have to which is a very good chapter to read. So this book, Wake Up Happy by Michael Strahan is another, and I like these. So I've read, I've read both of those. This next book, How Yoga Works by Geshe Michael Roach, G-E-S-H-E Michael Roach. So this book is a recommendation from my wife. Now, the thing about this book is it talks about, you know, when you want to heal your mind and body by showing compassion to others. Whether you like the person or not, it's about really showing compassion and healing yourself through that compassion. So going full circle with our diversity and inclusion, I think this is a really good book. This has a few hundred pages to it. So, you know, you got to commit a little more, but I think it's worth it. And my wife highly recommends it. So this is the next book. I'm going to start reading this one today and I'll let you know. But those are the three books I think that uh, people may like. Wow. Thank you so much, CJ. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening. Visit careers.boozallen.com to learn how you can be unstoppable with Booz Allen. Be the future. Work with us. The world can't wait.